Blog Talk Radio. Do you believe that death is the end? Or is it just a new beginning? Does our soul continue to evolve? Or is it buried six feet under? Spiritual encounters and unexplained phenomena have intrigued people for centuries. But what if you could find the answer? Right here, right here, right now. Right now. Welcome to Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. Where we will talk with everyday people who have had extraordinary experiences and gifted souls that see beyond the veil. Beyond the veil. Together, we'll diminish our fear of death, explore our soul's evolution, and soften the crippling grief that accompanies loss. Heavenly Encounters. You, our listeners, will discover a new world. A new world. A fresh reality. A fresh reality. Just a whisper away. Heavenly Encounters. So take a deep breath and join us on this fascinating adventure. This is Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. A journey to the other side. Heavenly Welcome to Heavenly Encounters, A Journey to the Other Side. I am your host, Mary Elizabeth, broadcasting from Chicago, Illinois. And I am your co-host, Janice, broadcasting live from St. Louis, Missouri. Well, have you ever wondered what information your past lives might reveal about you? Maybe you feel stuck or keep on repeating the same patterns with the same bad results. Perhaps your fears or talents are linked to a previous incarnation. Well, our guest today will discuss the many ways you can utilize your past lives to empower your present life, as well as delve into the past lives of our hosts. But first, don't forget to check out my new blog, Ghost Tales and Tainted Bricks. You can also access all of our past shows at HeavenlyEncountersRadio.com. So, Janice, I don't know about you, but this is like one of the most fascinating topics that there are. How helpful do you think that looking at our past life is to our present life? Oh, I think it's really important. And if, you know, we've talked a lot about death and rebirth, you know, and if you look at it that there, everything is alive, nothing ever really dies, it's right. like all of our experiences get recycled until they're healed. And that, to me, is kind of what karma is. You know, I mean, we can not learn a lesson in one time, left time, right. or create a, a lesson that we need to learn. And it, you know, it, until it's cleared, it, it it just brings it back in some way or the other. Oh, exactly. I mean, we may have you know 100 lifetimes just to practice. One lesson, and know some of us need more than others do. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm putting true. myself in that category, <laughs> not you, Janice. Oh, yeah, I'm there, too. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, our guest is Rhonda Lifeheight. She has practiced and taught metaphysical principles since 1975. In 1979, she began giving past life readings for people and has done thousands of them throughout the U.S. and internationally. She's also a certified hypnotist and does past life regressions. Rhonda, welcome to the show. Welcome. Well, Thank you. I'm delighted to be here, Mary and Janice. This is lovely. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I want to start from the beginning. I can't even imagine that back in 1979 that that, people, that many people actually really knew about past life readings. What was it like back then? Well, in fact, I had found a book 
about the life of Edgar Cayce earlier than that. Mm -hmm. It was in the mid-60s when somebody gave me a book about Edgar Cayce, who was known as the Sleeping Prophet, and was doing past life readings then. And I was just blown away by that. It made perfect sense. I'd never heard anybody Mm -hmm. else, of course, mention it. And so I kept those beliefs within me until about 10 years later, 1975, was when I first had a past life reading done. And at that time, I was fortunate enough to be around a lot of people who were believing. This was Columbia, Missouri. And Mm -hmm. they actually had a lot of people kind of clustered there, of course. And indeed, through the years, the general belief uh, in reincarnation, I've definitely seen that grow through the years. But I feel very fortunate to have found my way to that book and to those people where there was an openness in that kind of discovery. Right. Well, you know, when we talked a few days ago, you actually said that you felt that you were born to do this. Why is that? Yes. I think one of the reasons I feel I was born to do it, now that I've been doing it for so many years, is that there were those clues, kind of like my soul was giving me breadcrumbs along the way and directing my path. Mm-hmm. Uh, And it was really the first reading I had done for me in 1975 that indicated a past life long, long ago where I had done some spiritual studies and was just getting ready to teach, and a cataclysm came along, and that was that. And it's not to say that I hadn't done things in between then and now, but it felt like such an indicator of what I was supposed to be doing in this life. Now, that said, I always like to let people know I learned, trained, uh, and discovered how to do the past life readings. It was not something that came to me spontaneously. And I think it's important. I mean, we have so many people that just come on the show and they they saw angels when they were two years old and all this stuff just magically happened. But, yeah, you were exactly the opposite of that. Exactly the opposite. And here's how I look at it. I think some people come in with a natural inclination towards something, whether it's Mm -hmm. sports, whether it's music or art, and yet they have to develop the talent. They have to practice their scales and develop that voice or whatever. And that's how I see it is I came Mm -hmm. here to do this, but I definitely needed some structure and guidance uh, to learn it. And to me that makes it hopeful for a lot of people who may think, oh, I could never do that. Oh, absolutely. Well, here's the here's the big question. Then, how do you how do you get to know what your past lives were? How were they actually revealed to you? Well, the most common ways. There are a number of ways that people can discover their own past lives, aside from readings and regressions. And just to clarify, those the reading is where. I go into a trance or someone else might go into kind of a hypnotic or meditative state and tap into the Akashic Records. Then there's the regression in which the client is in a state of hypnosis and is taken Mm -hmm. back to their own past life. But for some people, there are spontaneous glimpses that might happen. I remember one woman talking about being in a museum and seeing a set of dishes. 
and she just had this knowing that she had at one time in the past eaten off those dishes. Wow. Or go to certain parts of the world, and they'll know the terrain and know how to get around. So those spontaneous flashes can be away, and then there are dreams. And for a dream to be a flash of a past life, there has to be a certain continuity, you know, of the clothing right. and the environment and the storyline, that sort of thing. So those right. are some of the most common ways. Let's go back a second, because uh, some people might not actually know what the Akashic Records are. Can you kind of explain them? Ah, yes. My favorite explanation for the Akashic Records is that it's a cosmic storehouse of all of our past thoughts and actions. Mm-hmm. And so we can tap into that as a frequency in a way similar to radio waves that are around us all the time, but we're not aware of them unless we have the equipment to tune in. Right. And so for me, the records are there, and when I'm tuning in to the records, um, it is a, a process of relaxation and prayer and intention. And then the person's name becomes like the specific frequency on the dial to get a specific channel to tune right. in. So if you can imagine that there is this cosmic storehouse, uh, but it's available to all of us. Now I think of it a little bit more like the cloud. You know, it's like all that information right. is in the cloud. Exactly. You know, we don't know exactly. what that means, but we know it's there. Yeah. Right. Well, this is why this is so important because this is one of the things, like you said, anybody can do this. And this is one of the first things that I took training in. And so much of the information that I've gotten, so many of the past lives that I've seen, have been a result of going in the Akashic Records. So here I was, you know, I was working in the marketing field, writing press releases, doing trade shows. Next thing I know, I'm looking at my Akashic Records and going into past lives. So Mm. it's something that's available to anyone. Uh, It does take some practice. But it works wonderfully. But, Janice, I've got to ask you, how do you go into your past lives? I mean, you're a little bit different than both of us. Yes, that's true. Um, <laughs> you know, it's something, <laughs> it's something I brought back with me. I okay. mean, I brought Egypt. The only way I can say it is that, you know, I brought Egypt back with me. I mean, there right. was always that connection when I was a kid. Sentiment was with me since birth. And most of the lifetimes that I remember with us being together are in Egypt. So, you know, for me it was it was different, whereas I didn't have to go out. I mean, you always educate yourself, you know, to get to right. become better. But it was always kind of like a voice talking in my head. Wow. Okay. Well, Rhonda, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Okay. So, you know, I've seen plenty of lifetimes, um, obviously Janice has, what about lifetimes that might have occurred on other planets or in different dimensions? Are you actually able to see those as well? You know, I must say that it has not been uh, a focus or information that comes mm-hmm. through. And I guess that might be a unique component of what I'm doing uh, because other people do have those kinds of glimpses. Uh, The way I look at it, I think that karma that is created in the physical plane really has to be worked out in the physical plane. So the stories of our lives here in this dimension um, are more relatable and accessible 
for people in terms of the karma that's created and how it can be fixed and how it applies okay. to their present life. Well, that makes sense. Now, I hate to keep on jumping back and forth, but this, you know, with a regression, I can't even imagine, you know, going into kind of being hypnotized and all of a sudden seeing all these images and being taken back to all these lifetimes, and some, I'm sure, are kind of tragic as well. Mm. When someone comes out of that, what kind of transformation occurs? It really depends on the person and the situation. I think in the regression process where the client goes back for themselves, the, some of the most dramatic stories have to do with health. Um, mm-hmm. So that uh, there was one woman who uh, came in with stomach pain and headaches. And she regressed back to a life where the first thing she saw was some sort of milkmaid hat. And sometimes people, very interesting people, will (laughs) surprise themselves at what they see. And she sees herself in a barn, and she's there with her husband and cattle and horses. And a guy walks in, and she recognizes that in that life he was a, a lover, and suddenly pulls out a gun and shoots her in the stomach. And, of course, it's right at that spot that uh, she's having the physical pain. And in coming out of it, um, it it alleviated some of the pain. Uh, Sometimes it will happen dramatically, and sometimes it does take a while. And, And that was the case with her. It took... Um, days or weeks for the pain to subside completely. But uh, to have that physical release is so important. And some of what happens is it allows the client to step back from the tragedy and trauma. Because right at first, you know, these events are going on and there's complete identification with being that person, being shot. But the next stage is to kind of step back, to disidentify and go, oh, here's what happened to my soul in that life, or here's part of a pattern now that I'm seeing, or here's how I internalized it with so much anger. Right. And then it can get transformed. And that process of transformation may or may not happen in one or two sessions. Uh, It may take some time for the person to be able to raise their consciousness to that kind of place to really detach or forgive or transform that emotion. But ultimately, that's what creates the healing, is to be detached enough and compassionate enough, whether it's for themselves or for the other person, to allow that to happen. And Rhonda, if if somebody was looking for healing, Mm -hmm. would regression therapy be the best way to go? Not necessarily. You know, there are certainly cases where I have seen people get very valuable information from past lives. But I also think that there are conditions and circumstances that happen in this life, you know, whether it's environmental or whatever, um, that don't necessarily call for someone to go to past lives. So I'd be hesitant to say, yes, everybody should go check it out from the past life perspective. (laughs) Now, 
that said, there may still be something karmic about a physical condition or an illness um, that creates, let's say, a susceptibility or a vulnerability in them, but not a direct cause, Okay, if that makes sense. Mm. Yes. Interesting. So, Janice, this is the fun part. This is where you and I get to be guinea pigs. So oh, what we're going to okay. do is we're going to talk about the primary attributes that our past lives reveal about us. So the first one is actually how past lives prepare you for this current life. So, Rhonda, before uh, Janice takes us back to ancient Egypt, can you give us kind of your two cents on this one? Well, you know, it's really funny because everybody knows that I have been sick for so long. And it was it, to me, it was surprising that I ended up being a healer, but it wasn't surprising surprising to most of the people that I knew because they assumed that the, the life that I had led was a life preparing me for what the, the work that I was going to do. Mm-hmm. So I think in a lot of times that even if you can't see it, it's connected in in, in a certain way, and I definitely didn't right. see it as I was sick and in so much pain. So take us back how many of our lives they were. How did you first, you know, start out seeing your lives in Egypt, and what were you? How did it prepare you for this lifetime? Well, I always, you know, I always remembered this beautiful, like, white alabaster table and mm-hmm. with just vials and, and unguents and different things like that. And that's the first thing that I remember. And so I always had a connection to Sinmet, and when that connection became audio and, and and it became overpowering it was like a conversation then i was right. able and to and is down. for those listeners that are just uh tuning in for this show Semit is actually janice's spiritual guide and twin flame just wanted yes. to clarify that yes and okay, um so you know so for me it was it was a a connection almost that was there that never stopped and um, I know that maybe sounds crazy, but I, and I was different from um, Rhonda in the sense that, I mean, I took classes from Rhonda when I first started out in that, but a lot of the stuff that I needed to know was just really available to me. And like Rhonda said before, sometimes people learn it. I think sometimes you awaken or you reawaken. And I think a lot of the things that I had innately that I was going to use in this time was a matter of simply remembering or reawakening the memory and remembering how to do it and what to do. Absolutely. Now, this is what's interesting, and you'll like this one, Rhonda, but you've actually seen yourself on a different planet, haven't you? Janice, you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In a healing center, much, much like a replica of ancient Egypt, but it was on another planet. And even to this day, I feel a very, very strong connection to a uh, a temple, a healing temple, on another planet. And that was another thing that I brought back. As if I would, I would go there and get off of a plane. It would be like being home. Mm. Wow. You also said it was almost more Egypt than Egypt. Yes. The other planet. Yes. Yes. Um, th- wow. There was a lot of thought about, um, you, you know, the civilization, the Egyptian civilization. And it, the Egyptians always looked at themselves as being a reflection of the true Egypt, the true heaven in the sky. And so um, I believe that that is true. I believe that the ancient Egyptian civilization was kind of like trying to recreate something from wherever home was. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Rhonda, how... 
common is this, to have your past lives prepare you for, for this lifetime? In my interpretation of things, all of our past lives are preparations for present life, so that we are the sum total of those lives now. And sometimes I think even with very difficult lives or portions of lives that are difficult, people can misinterpret. And I've heard people say, oh, things, you know, my life is so bad, I must have done something really bad, which is a very unfortunate interpretation, but it comes from not seeing a bigger picture. Sometimes we have to step back, you know, really big to get it or see enough lifetimes to see that this might be just one piece where the soul needed to learn some form of compassion or maybe some depth of healing uh, to bring forward into this life. And then there's also that piece of not only bringing forward the strengths, the insights, the abilities we have, but those things that yet need healing or pieces of the puzzle that yet need to be filled in. And some people seem to set up quite maybe a big agenda for their lives. (laughs) I I often imagine souls as they're preparing to incarn going, oh, yeah, let me work out all this karma, I'll do it, you know, and then get here and go, what was I thinking? (laughs) I feel exactly. So, um, but it's, it's all uh, valuable information if we look at it correctly and don't imagine that karma is about punishment but is about either balance or correction or seeing something more than we've been seeing. Right. Right. Okay, well, the second big revelation is actually looking how soul lessons and patterns weave throughout our past life. So, Rhonda, why is, why is this so important to look at? Patterns are big, and it's interesting to me. Some people very easily, if you ask them about a pattern or theme in this life, they might be able to recognize more than one. And other people have some difficulty in stepping back from their lives to see the patterns that might occur in relationships or jobs or living situations or whatever. But... Right. Patterns are so important, and they're like habits. um, They carry over very easily, and so we will do things that are familiar to us, even if they're not always beneficial. And to me, that's one of the values of looking at past lives, because so often when I get done with a reading, and very often I'm doing for a reading a reading for a person I know nothing about other than their full name, um, mm-hmm. and they will describe then the parallels to their present lifetime, and right. uh, and some of those are fine, you know, they're nice parallels, and on occasion it's like, oh my gosh, I am doing the same thing again, and they're somewhat amazed at the repetition right. of the pattern, but by being conscious of it now we can then presumably make some changes or do it differently if we don't like the way things are going. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, when I went through, I mean, I've gone, gosh, I've been to Kashuk Records training probably 15 years ago, and I've been going through my records ever since. And really the last week, uh, I really went through them again. And, you know, I always saw the same lives. I had countless lives, like most light workers do. You know, we've been beheaded, we've been burned at the stake. You know, the last show I talked about being thrown in an insane asylum. 
just because obviously people thought we were nuts or we were just too far out there or we were witches or whatever it was. But the part that I was actually missing each time that it was someone close to me that had turned me in to either save themselves or because they thought I truly was evil. So Mm -hmm. when I was committed in my last life, it was someone, I'm not sure, I don't know if it was like my husband or father or someone who actually signed the papers. Now, I do remember one lifetime, I was, I was hidden in like a pickle barrel. There were like eight barrels, and I was taken from my home late at night because they were coming for me the next morning. And that was like almost the only act of love I remember that actually saved me you know, mm. from that lifetime. So this lifetime, you know, my husband listens to my show. My mom listens to the show. They support me. My dad thinks I should be a real estate agent. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> Seriously. And But, you know, however, the strange thing is so many of my closest friends never listen to the show. They don't read my blogs. They just have no interest whatsoever. So, you know, my original wound was always no one listens to me. Mm-hmm. But the part I was missing was that no one cares about me. So I yeah. do have thyroid issues. And mm-hmm. so obviously I still I have this pattern um, that I've probably I'm trying to have been trying to work through for I don't know how many lifetimes. So. How do you so interpret the, that? Yeah, the other theme I'm hearing there is betrayal and um, from the past lives, but maybe right. not in this life. So that would be progress, right? Oh, absolutely. Because you're saying some people find the papers there. Um, so to have those who will listen to you, and also what strikes me is that the fact that you do have friends and acquaintances that, aren't interested and don't listen, uh, still hasn't stopped you from doing it. Right. So all of those things are measures of progress. And sometimes I've talked to people who feel like, ugh, progress is so slow in this life, or I'm (laughs) 60 years old and I'm finally figuring this out. And I'll say, look, you've probably been doing this for more lifetimes than you can even imagine. So any kind of progress really needs to be appreciated. And, and well, so I'm sense. seeing that with you. This is big progress. So then how do those patterns then do become kind of part of your journey? You know, one of the biggest pieces of this is that when an event happens in a lifetime, let's say a traumatic event, what really affects us is not just the event. Sometimes what has the greater impact is how we internalize it. I'm not valuable. Nobody appreciates me. I'm unworthy. Uh, I deserve to be mistreated or whatever the interpretation or limiting belief may be. And when that belief is internalized, especially in a highly emotional state, oh, boy, does that reverberate into your next lifetime. So I'm always trying to remind people that when they're going through a dramatic experience or traumatic experience, to watch their internalization, like I'll never trust so-and-so or anybody again or whatever the always and never kind of vows that we take. So I've actually done classes with people to kind of look at you know, what kind of beliefs were formed, what kind of vows did you take in previous lives, because those may need to be undone or revisited. And that's an important piece to this is when people recognize what was my part in how I internalized it and how is that affecting me now 
and what would be a better belief. And sometimes it takes a while to unravel that and change the trajectory which has been going on for so long. But I think sometimes the awareness obviously is the first step. Yeah. Because if you don't know what you don't know, you're still being guided by your subconscious and you have no idea why you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. But doesn't the emotion create the pattern, though? Pardon? I said, doesn't the emotion that you're going through create the pattern that repeats itself? Yeah, the, the emotion is really the energy that puts that into motion, I think. Yeah. Puts the thought or the belief into motion, yeah. I had okay. one client, it, there, it, there was a 10-year process actually for her, and it started with a therapist that she was seeing that I'd worked with called me and said, I have this client, she's interested in a reading, and so we set it up. It was uh, a phone session, and uh, she was having pain in her cheek. And uh, the reading, it was a health reading, actually. It wasn't even intended as a past life reading, but a glimpse of a past life came up where she was Native American and shot with an arrow in the cheek. And then she came to me uh, some several years later after that, and I did a past life reading where we got more details about that life and uh, about the situation where she had been married to an important person in the tribe, but she cheated on him. And uh, I think he was the one that shot her with the arrow. Um, And then it still didn't really ease the pain that much until one night she called me about 8 o'clock at night, and she was in such distress. She was just sobbing. And she lived nearby, and though my inclination might have been to send her to the therapist that she had worked with, it was late enough, it was evening, and I was close, and she just needed some somebody to be with her. She said, I feel this is so close to the surface. And she came in, and she was sobbing and in such a state there really was very little I could do except to calm her down and talk about some ideas and things. So she was here for a while, and I just said, I know something is coming up for you and all this sort of thing, but there there hadn't been a real light bulb moment. Well, she called me the next day and said she'd had a light bulb moment that helped her take all that information that was kind of head knowledge. It was all there, but she internalized it. And she finally saw that there was so much shame that she was holding and anger. In fact, she said that she might have gotten over this sooner if she hadn't been so mad at the SOB that did this to her because she knew who it was in this life. (laughs) Oh, my God. So what a reminder of when we hold that anger, um, how that lingers. And she recognized it. And, yeah, it took 10 years, but she finally got beyond it. Wow. Oh, that is great. But what about, like, fears? You know, let's say you have just a mm-hmm. horrible uh, fear of heights or water mm-hmm. or even something like flying. Could that be yeah. related to a past life as well? Yeah. All of those things can be related to past lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes being uh, just knowing Sometimes if I'm doing a reading, it stands where it comes from. Um, right. Or maybe, it, for me, 
for example, I had a fear when I was in my mid-20s. I suddenly had this fear that my younger brother, who was 10 years younger, was going to die before the age of 20. And it really upset me. But I, I was really in the heart of studying past lives at that point. And I finally reconciled with it that it was a past life situation where I had lost him. Yeah. And uh but I waited five years until he turned twenty or twenty one before I could say anything. I didn't want to freak him out. When I told him this, his jaw just dropped and he goes, Rhonda, I thought the same thing. So oh my he as a kid had been very reckless and we grew up on a farm and he would, you know, swing on ropes and fell out of trees twice and broke his arm and all sorts of things. And he had a kind of a moment of awareness. Uh, there where he was realizing he was being very dangerous and risking too much and kind of self-corrected. So that fear really was about a past life, and I think sometimes people will carry those kinds of things. If they can assign it to the past life and let it go, that's fine. Now, sometimes I'll use other techniques like emotional freedom techniques, the tapping Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. acupressure points to get people out of that loop, you know, because it becomes very physical in a sense. And the tapping on the meridians seems to help soften and release that. Right. So I guess you can say the same thing about anything health-related. You know, you got asthma, psoriasis, mm-hmm. um, you know, heart problems. I mean, is it is it always from a past life or is it something that can actually obviously being created in this life as well? Oh. Right, it can obviously be created in this life. You know, let's say uh, somebody comes in with a tendency to try, they feel they need to prove themselves. So they have kind of a type A personality and they're hard driving and don't give themselves a break. And they may get little wake-up calls. uh, And it may be that reminder that you've done this in the past, be careful this time, and they have the choice of whether they're going to keep going or whether they're going to pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. So, and again, it it may or may not always be past life related, but it it is what I like about past life sometimes is it can give people some distance and objectivity to their present life. It allows us right. them to step back a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, also on the flip side, you see so many kids that have incredible talents or they have these passions that they've had, you know, from such a young age. Mm-hmm. You know, I've read so much that you know, like John Lennon said, he used to borrow from his life as Beethoven, you know, in this life. Mm-hmm. So it, it seems to me that a lot of those incarnations would come from um, previous ones. Yeah, that was how do you have a four-year-old that plays like, yeah. you know, Chopin on the, on the piano? It was one of the first things that really struck me in reading about uh, reincarnation and Edgar Cayce's work is, wow, this really explains mm-hmm. those childhood geniuses and prodigies. Yeah, it's it's fun, and and through the years, you know, I've talked to parents who will have, uh, you know, these remarkable statements out of the mouths of babes about the time they start talking. You know, so oh, I remember right. when I was right. a mom and things like that. Yeah. Well, Janice, that even goes back to you. I mean, from the very from a very young age, you've always been attracted to anything Egypt. Right, and it's really funny listening to uh, Rhonda because you know it. it from the time I was a small child, I always felt like I didn't belong here. 
mm-hmm. like I had gotten off of a train at the wrong station. Mm-hmm. And if I could just <laughs> find my way back, I could go home. And so, you know, this was never really home to me. And that was probably a very truthful thing, and it was something that was very, very hard because you're here, you know, mm-hmm. and you're looking right. for home in your family and in and, and society and that, and sometimes it's just not available. And so for me, the two things I always knew about Egypt is I was loved and I was happy. Mm-hmm. And those were two of the things that I didn't have in this life. Hmm. Well, that's sad. Yeah. Well, but then again, you know, part of what you brought here and – the evolution of your soul. Right. Wow. Well, we just have about five minutes left. Um, is there anything that we haven't covered, Rhonda, that you'd like to talk about? Well, gosh. There's so I much. I think it's important to <laughs> emphasize kind of these core beliefs that that we're working with, beliefs about ourselves and about life and that sort of thing. Um and I sometimes think in, in listening to what Janice was saying that a lot of people do kind of feel like they're maybe looking for their tribe or where they belong, uh, but there must be some lesson in that as well, like, you know, the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell talks about where there's a striking out from the familiarities of home or leaving our heavenly domain or comforts of a situation and going out into the world uh, and meeting those obstacles and ultimately overcoming them. So I find it helpful sometimes to imagine that we're all on a hero's journey of some sort or another. And one of the breadcrumbs I feel I was fortunate to get early on was an astrologer who said, Rhonda, you're never going to fit into the business world, the corporate world. And it like gave me permission. I think I really would have, I know I wouldn't have fit in, and I've been doing this work for so long and feel so grateful to be able to do it because I really, for a while, you know, I tried being a temp you know, secretarial stuff, and it's enough to try and organize myself. (laughs) (laughs) But to really kind of know, oh, that's not what I came here to do. And I did a year of social work, and I realized, no, there's other people better suited for that. I need to just do the best I can do with what I know and who I am and what I love. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if someone's interested, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just think it's so true for so many people, and there are so many pressures today that I think make it difficult for people to find themselves. But we also do have this phenomenal culture where great, there are greater freedoms and other opportunities uh, that we haven't had in those other lives where we got beheaded. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All those kinds of nasty things. Absolutely. So for someone that's really interested in looking at more information on past lives, where do you recommend that they go? Are there certain authors, obviously you've, you've mentioned Edgar Cayce, he was a huge influence in your life. Anyone else that kind of pops, pops up um, well, that I think would be helpful? The work of Brian Weiss is really mm-hmm. classic and um, important because it's a psychiatrist who didn't really believe in this sort of thing. Uh, the, the book, Many Lives, Many Masters, is certainly a wonderful right. description of his entry into this and then many books since. Um, for, um, let's see, 
Another good book, I think, is Carol Bowman's book, The Children's Past Lives, How Past Life Memories Affect mm-hmm. Your Child. Yes. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, Roger Wolger, who is a therapist, I think he may have passed on now, um, but he used past life regression as a centerpiece of his therapy work. And so he's written some other things. Uh, one of his books is called uh, Other Lives, Other Selves, A Jungian Psychotherapist okay. Discovers Past Lives. And I do have on my website a list of some of these books. I don't know okay. if that's going to be up yet. It might be yet tomorrow before that gets out. Okay. But, mm-hmm. Well, you also do readings, past life readings on the phone. Obviously, yes. your regression sessions have to be done in person, and you're in St. Louis. So yes. how, if someone is interested, how do they contact you? Well, they can call me. And that is 314-644-0641. That is a landline, so it doesn't get any text. Uh, uh, My email address is sourcenewsletter, S-O-U-R-C-E, newsletter at earthlink.net. And then I do have a website, and that is path. P-A-T-H, find, F-I-N-D, news, N-E-W-S, dot com. And uh, go to resources and then look under the source, which is the business name. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Go ahead. Yeah, that gets a listing of all the readings and information. Okay. And there's also some great articles on the website as well. So, Rhonda, thank you so much. It has been absolutely fascinating. Well, good. I have enjoyed talking to you guys. What a great pleasure. Oh, thanks, Rhonda. Thank you. Great, thank you. Okay, Janice. Yes. I think it's time for Illuminations. 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 It's time for Illuminations. Food for your mind. Okay, what do you have for us? I'm going to let you do it because I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I was going to remind you, too, but I'm like, no, Janice never forgets this kind of thing. She can take a second to make something up. (laughs) So mine is from Alex Collier. The love that you withhold is the pain that you carry lifetime after lifetime. Beautiful. Short and sweet. Yes. So do you want to make something else for up for us real quick? Well, uh, you know, I've been writing an article, and it kind of uh, it, it's from one of the earliest quotes that a teacher gave me. The artifice okay. of man will be destroyed. All that is hidden will be known. And so I kind of think that's where we're going, is we're going into a place where nothing is hidden from us anymore. Well, it's pretty obvious. All you have to do is uh, <laughs> read the news. More and yeah. more, nothing can be hidden, especially with the Internet. So Exactly, well, but even within ourselves. Well, that's true, too, especially with past lives popping up, whether we realize exactly. it or not. Well, thank you. Janice, thank you again for another fascinating show, and thank you to our wonderful listeners for joining us once again. Until next time, be empowered, be inspired, and be well. You've been listening to Heavenly Hammer, a journey to the other side. Good night.